the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Jesus said, in everything, we're to treat other people in the same way that we want them to treat us. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilbert. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, Log on to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. I entitled this message, Reaping What We Sow. As we read together in Genesis 42, we'll pick up in verse 1. It says, Now Jacob saw that there was grain in Egypt. And Jacob said to his sons, Why are you staring at one another? He said, Behold, I have heard that there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us from that place so that we may live and not die. Then ten brothers of Joseph went down to buy grain from Egypt. All sounds simple. But Jacob did not send Joseph's brother Benjamin, he was the youngest brother, with his brothers, for he says, I am afraid that harm may befall him. So the sons of Israel came to buy grain among those who were coming, for the famine was in the land of Canaan also. We'll stop there for a moment. So notice here, notice God allowed Jacob to learn there's food down in Egypt. How did that happen? Well, again, Egypt's a world-governing empire. People are going, you know, passing through the land, going in, uh, there and coming back, taking their wares down to sell them and trade their wares for other things. It's just a, it's the Mecca for, for commerce and, 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 and trade. So maybe he heard it from those traveling back and forth. And now he says to his sons, hey, why are you guys sitting around looking at each other here? I wonder what that meant. Were they just completely clueless? Uh, I don't know. What what you want to do? Uh, I don't know. You know, did they just need further explanation? Obviously, according to verse 2, they were feeling the real pinch of the famine. As Jacob said, go so that we may live and not die. I wonder if just the mention, though, of Egypt, I'm speculating here because we're not told, but I wonder if just the very, the mention of Egypt sent a, a raw chill down their spines. Just knowing that years earlier, over two decades earlier, they sold their little brother Joseph to slave traders to take to Egypt. It was a stark reminder of a darker time for these brothers when they allowed their jealousy and bitterness to do such an awful deed to their little brother. To sell their own flesh and blood? Well, what we do know is this for sure. When we do something that is absolutely wrong, not only will we know it because of the conscience that God has given to us, 
but we will suffer the guilt and shame of that decision for decades to come. This is why it is so wise to always turn away from sin. Because if you're playing with fire, understand you will eventually get burned. That's what the Bible says in Proverbs. Can, can a man or a woman walk up to a bonfire and pick it up and carry it close to your bosom and not get burned? Well, you're thinking, well, no. If you're at the beach and they're having a bonfire, you can't walk up and embrace the bonfire and hold it close and not get burned. Right. Uh, He's just telling you an obvious thing. It's the same thing with sin. Can you just walk up and play with this and you don't think you're ever going to get burned? Yes, we might get away with it for a season, but one day it will always catch up with us. In verse 4, Jacob sends all but one of his sons to go buy some food. Now, he wouldn't allow the youngest son, Benjamin, to go. That was Joseph's younger brother by the same mother, Rachel. So Jacob, his favorite son was Joseph and then Benjamin. So with Joseph supposedly being dead because the brothers sold him to Ishmaelite slave traders, took his multicolored robe, dipped it in blood, and said, a wild animal ate your son. All he's got left from the love of his life, Rachel, is little Benjamin. And he's like, no, Benjamin is not going down with you to Egypt. He's staying right here. Notice he was afraid that something might happen to him, just like what had happened, what he thought, to Joseph. Again, you know, his older brothers told their dad, yeah, you know, some lion ate him. But now, as the 10 older brothers head to Egypt to buy food during this famine, they have no idea what's about to happen to them. Let's read it here, picking up in verse 6. Now, Joseph was the ruler over all the land. Remember, he was second in charge to Pharaoh. Pharaoh told him, no one is going to be over you but me myself. So he's ruler over all the land. He was the one who sold to all the people in the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. And when Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he disguised himself to them and he spoke to them harshly. And he said to them, where have you come from? And they said, "Uh, from the land of Canaan to buy food. But Joseph had recognized his brothers, although they did not recognize him. Joseph remembered the dreams which he had about them. And he said to them, you are spies. You have come to look at the undefended parts of our land. Then they said to him, no, no, my Lord. But we're your servants and have come to buy food. We're all the sons of one man. We are honest men. Your servants are not spies. Yet he said to them, no, but you have come to look at the undefeated parts of our land. But they said, your servants are 12 brothers in all, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is with our father today. And one is no longer alive. Oh, so you think. And how did Joseph even not crack up during that? Verse 14, Joseph said to them, it is as I said, 
you, you are spies. By this, you will be tested by the life of Pharaoh. You shall not go from this place unless your youngest brother comes here. He's probably thinking, my little brother Benjamin, I want to see him. Okay, verse 16. Send one of you that he may get get your brother while you remain confined in prison, that your words may be tested whether there is truth in you. But if not, by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. So he put them all together in prison for three days. Here, let me go dunk you in the dungeon for a little while. Now Joseph said to them on the third day, do this and live, for I fear God. Whoa, you fear God? An Egyptian? If you are honest men, let one of your brothers be confined in your prison, but as for the rest of you, go. Carry grain for the famine for your households and bring your youngest brother to me so your words may be verified and you will not die. And they did so. Wow, okay, now there's a lot there to unpack. (laughs) Okay, so verse six said, you know, as a reminder of who Joseph had become, was the ruler over all the land. And everyone buying food from Egypt had to be approved by Joseph. He wanted to make sure that no foreign kingdoms would come in coveting Egypt's wealth or their food. Joseph was the literal gatekeeper, you could say, of everything that went in and out of Egypt. And now, all of a sudden, the dream that Joseph had 20 years ago about his brothers bowing down before him, guess what? It's come to pass. That dream was the straw, as you remember, that broke the camel's back. You know, think back about what happened and what turned them, the brothers, against Joseph. It all started back when Jacob, their dad, favored Joseph over all of them. He made him, remember, a multicolored robe that promoted him over his older brothers. Plus, Joseph gave a bad report against his brothers to his father. Yes, he tattletailed. He ratted them out. Yeah, yeah, Dad, these guys are a bunch of slackers. They're not working out there like you told them to work. He was just telling the truth. Then, to top it all off, he had those two dreams of his family all bowing down before him. He wasn't telling them to rub it in their face. He was just sharing this really strange dream that God had given him. You know, we never read of Joseph being prideful or arrogant or, again, rubbing his position in their face. In fact, the entire account of Joseph in the Bible, which, by the way, takes up almost eight chapters in Genesis, which is more chapters than Abraham, the father of the faith, we never see Joseph in a bad light. But now, after over 20 years of being sold by his brothers as a common slave, and then telling their father that a that wild animal had ate their brother, his brothers now stand before him, their little brother, only they have no clue this is Joseph. Let's remember, back when they sold Joseph as a slave, you know, their first plan was to kill him. Yes, it was brutal and heartless, but they sold him instead. And they were ruthless and merciless as they ignored Joseph's cries. No, brothers, don't do this to me. They were hardened to his, his pleas of mercy. They shut off every ounce of compassion towards their little brother. 
I wonder if there's someone that you're extremely harsh with. Someone, again, that you just, you just don't like them. Someone that you don't go out of your way for. You don't care for. Well, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said this in Matthew seven twelve. He says, in everything, therefore, treat people the same way that you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. This is known as the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them to do to you. We need a lot of that happening in America today. Even cults have their own version of this biblical idea. We see it in Buddhism, Hinduism, along with every other cult belief system out there. They'll call it by a different term, uh, like, you know, live out bad karma, like we said before, and you will receive, you know, bad karma. If you have bad karma, you'll have bad karma come back. If you have good karma, good karma will come back. But the bottom line is this. We are to treat others in the same way that we desire people to treat us. And notice how Jesus started the golden rule. He said, in everything, in everything. You know, I've done this. It's just, I guess, how I've always been. But I'll open doors for people. I, you know, I'll help people. I was at the post office the other day, and, you know, this old man was coming out, and he's just kind of walking, and I opened a door for him, and he just kind of looked at me. Uh, uh, he kind of grunted, and he said, oh, thanks. Uh, you know, and it's, I mean, because it's just people don't do stuff. I mean, if someone drops something in front of me, it's a man or a woman, I'll pick it up. Oh, hey, you just dropped this. You know, you guys ever been behind someone? The guy, some guy's reaching in his pocket. Most guys carry cash in their front pocket. You know, it's like, you know, and all of a sudden a $20 bill comes out. Oh, hey, excuse me, so you just dropped this. man. It's, you know, some money. You know, it's like, you know, instead of doing the, <laughs> look, Haley's Comet. All my footage is. Okay, yeah, uh-huh. Okay, but, you know, I just do these niceties. You know, living here in Los Angeles, a little nicety goes a long ways. Why? Because we live in a time, and especially now, where there's so much injustice that's happening. It's like, it doesn't matter what color someone is, and we just need a little more kindness to be spread around in our country. Yes. We're to treat others in the same way we want to be treated. We're told that kindness will turn away an angry person. Someone comes up and gets in your face, hey, you know, do you want to beef here? It's like a little kindness will turn away angry wrath. That's what the Bible says in Proverbs. Or when people are angry, you know, it's just like, don't come back with them with that anger. If someone comes from a different racial background, we can't treat them differently. No, Jesus said in everything, we're to treat other people in the same way that we want them to treat us. And and how do we want to be treated? Don't you want to be treated with kindness? Don't you want respect? Don't you want patience and a smile? That's how we should be with other people, patience and a smile. Yes, on top of this being a command, this is also a huge witness to our own non-believing world. It's what sets us apart as believers. And you will be set apart as a believer in Christ when you do these things. Know this, with all these social problems that our culture is facing today, we need a lot more people living out the way Jesus told us to live. People that are willing to go out of their way to be kind, willing to do the right thing in everything again that we do. Remember, we cannot legislate righteousness. It's obvious that we can't legislate righteousness. 
It has to be a work of God in the individual. But when it happens, it will grab the attention of those that are around us. And what does it give us the opportunity to do? Let people know that there's a God in heaven that loves them and cares about them. That's what door it opens up. But getting back to our text here, these brothers have no clue that this harsh ruler in Egypt that's given them such a hard time is their little brother Joseph. But again, how could they know? He was only 17 years old when they sold him. Chapter 41 said when he interpreted Pharaoh's dream that he was now 30 years old. And now we've gone through the first seven years of abundance, so that would make him 37. Now we're probably halfway through the famine. That's why they're out of food and down there looking for food. So he's probably 40 years old at this point. See, everyone reserves are gone. So it's probably like 23 years later. He's all grown up, and he's dressed like an Egyptian. Okay, his clothes, his hair, he's matured. He looks completely different. They, he could not be identified as their brother. Yet his brothers, they were already grown up when they sold him. So they're just looking a little older. They're still dressing the same. They probably get a little gray in their hair now, but they all look the same. Now, he's speaking to them through an interpreter. So he's speaking Egyptian through an interpreter. So they have no concept this is a, their little brother. Uh, and, and now Joseph is listening to their every word as they're talking amongst each other. <laughs> Joseph's there. He's listening to everything. And once they said, no, we're not spies. We are the sons of one man. There's 12 of us. The youngest one's at home and the other one's dead. Yet little did they know that dead man is talking to them. So Joseph says to them, prove it. Prove me. Prove it that you're not liars. Yeah, bring me the youngest. Joseph's probably jumping up and down in his shoes thinking about his little brother, Benjamin. Now we see the grace and the mercy of Joseph. It's starting to slip out a little bit. Did you notice it? Because he says in verse 18, he says, I fear God. Why would he tell them that? You fear God? You know, what, you fear God? Did that not rattle his brothers a little bit? He fears God. This ruler and judge of Egypt fears God. How could that be? You know, they have numerous false gods and images that they worship. Yet this man believes in the living God. Did that not sound just a little strange to them? Then he told them, I will keep one of you in prison. Wait a second. He said earlier that he's going to keep them all in prison, send one back to get their brother. Now he's just saying, I'm going to keep one of you in prison and send the rest of you back so you can take food to your families. Wow. And bring back your youngest brother. Then I will believe you. And then he set the rest of them free. Let's read what happens next. Picking up in verse 21. Then they said to one another. Here's the brothers talking to each other. Isn't it interesting what they say? Truly we are guilty concerning our brother because we saw the distress of his soul when he pleaded with us. And yet we would not listen. Therefore the distress has come upon us. Wow. This is 23 years later. And it's like, they're still guilty about it. 23 years later, Reuben answered them saying, did I not tell you do not sin against the boy and you would not listen? Now comes the reckoning of his blood. Remember, it was Reuben when the brothers wanted to kill him. They said, no, let's throw him in this hole right here that he couldn't climb out of. And they threw him in this hole. And then Reuben had full plans to come and get him out of the hole and take him back to Jacob, their dad. 
But while he went out to check on the animals, the other brothers wanted to kill him again. Then it was Judah that stepped up and said, well, let's sell him to the Ishmaelite slave traders, trying to spare his life from the other brothers that wanted to kill him still. Verse 23, they did not know, however, that Joseph understood, for there was an interpreter between them. So he's listening to them as they're telling this. He turned away from them and wept. It just struck his heart. It's like, they still feel guilty about what they did. They, they feel horrible about it. He had to turn away. He started crying. But when he returned to them, he spoke to them, and he said to Simeon from them, and he bound him. He took Simeon, and it's like, I'm binding you. I'm going to throw you in prison before their eyes. He'd probably make it really big. Grab that dog right there. Tie him up and everything. I wonder if Simeon, because we know that Judah tried to calm the brothers down from killing him. Reuben tried to calm the brothers down. I wonder if the ringleader that wanted to kill him was Simeon. We're not told, but just the fact that, grab him, tie him up. It could have been Simeon that, that did the worst. Okay, verse 26. So they looked, they loaded their donkeys with all the grain, and they departed from there. As one of them opened the sack to give his donkey fodder or some food at the lodging place, he saw his money. Oh, no. My money's back in here. And behold, it was in the mouth of the sack. Then he said to his brothers, my money has been returned. And behold, it is even in the sack. And their hearts sank. And they turned trembling to one another saying, what is this that God has done to us? Because they're thinking like, oh, no. They're going to think that we didn't pay for the food. Oh, no. Well, twice in this portion of scripture, they know they're reaping what they have sown from what they had done 23 years ago. First in verse 21, they said, we're guilty. They all know it's because of what they did to their little brother, Joseph. It's like they could still hear him pleading with with them, the distress in his soul, weeping and crying, yet they just let him go. Then as they traveled home, they, they looked in their sacks and their, for the food and, and they saw their money. Oh, no, he's going to think that we stole the food and we didn't even pay for it. Oh, we're toast before we come back in front of this guy. And again, they say, what has God done to us? See, they, they recognize there's a spiritual law. It's coming back on us for what we have done. You can't escape it through time. Judgment has come. Then when they get home, Jacob said, there's no way you're taking Benjamin back. They said, well, we got to go take Benjamin back to get Simeon out. <laughs> Jacob's like, Simeon can rot. <laughs> Benjamin is not going back. Forget it. I'll, I'll write off Simeon in five seconds. That shows you how much love he had going on. But Benjamin's not leaving. I wonder if Simeon, again, was picked because he was the one that was the main instigator. Well, again, you know, we're not told, but it doesn't matter to Jacob. He simply doesn't want his sons to take their little brother, Benjamin, back. You know, he's probably the favorite now, right? Because that's the second son from his love of his life. And he's not going to go to Egypt. And look what is told to us by Reuben here in verse 37 and 38. He says, then Reuben spoke to his father saying, 
You may put two sons to death, my two sons to death, if I do not bring him back to you and put him into my care and I will return him to you. But Jacob said, my son shall not go down with you for his brother is dead and he alone is left. If harm should befall him on this journey you are taking, then you will bring my gray hair down to hell in sorrow. So he's just like, no, it's just not going to happen. It's like end of story, not going to happen. Well, the story's not over. It's going to continue. But I wonder as we end here today, the thing that, that we can really pull from this is the guilt because they never dealt with the issue of what they did to their little brother. They made a huge mistake. I wonder if there's anyone that's listening here today. You know, there's just things of your past and it could have been like these guys 23 years ago. It could have been two or three decades ago. But you never really dealt with it. You haven't dealt with it before God. Listen, I don't deserve God's forgiveness. You don't deserve God's forgiveness. No one deserves God's forgiveness. But yet God is saying, if you come to me and confess to me, you are honest with me and you say, I'm sorry, and you mean it in your heart, I will forgive you. And that's the first step of changing the course and direction of your life. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA all one word to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.